Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Before we get in the word today, while also doing the confession, I was remembering a testimony someone told me on Wednesday night. We confess every Wednesday and Sunday that we receive supernatural debt cancellation. Amen. There was a gentleman in our congregation, he says, last year sometime, he went to just have a procedure, and it was a certain bill that they gave him, and he asked if they could, he could make it in payments. So he said he made the first two payments, and then he didn't receive a bill from them anymore. And so he called them and said, you know, did I miss a payment? What's going on? They said, no, sir, you were chosen to have your bill canceled. I don't know about you, but that happens to me all the time. God is doing it, and God will do it. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I like what Bill Winston says, God has redeemed us from payments. You know, some of us is like we believe in God for big things. Like, well, we can only get it if we get it in payments. But we serve a God who's taken us to the overflow where we don't have to do payments. We can say, here it is. And who else can I pay off while I'm at it? The overflow. Deuteronomy 28. Verse 12. And as always, you can get my notes on the YouVersion Bible app under the events section. Go to today's message for overflow and download those notes and follow along with me. As well as and later this week, you'll hear this message on the podcast. We put all of our messages on our podcast on the website for free so you can grow in your faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12. Laying the foundation again for this series and we'll go to where the Holy Ghost has for us today. The Lord shall open unto you his good treasure. The heaven to give the rain unto your land in his season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend unto many nations, and you shall not borrow. We said before that the word treasure is translated treasure house or a storehouse. One version of the Bible calls it a well-stocked storehouse. The message version calls it sky vaults. A storehouse is where you keep abundance. It's a storage facility or a warehouse for what you cannot currently store in your house. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. God has a storehouse in heaven, and there are things there with your name on it. But as we've been saying, it's not just for you to enjoy when you get to heaven. That would be a sad moment in heaven if you get to the storehouse and see all the things with your name on it. It's like, ooh, this is my heavenly reward. And Jesus said, no, that was for you on earth. Well, how do you know that? Go to Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verse 19. One of our other text scriptures for the series. Psalm 31, verse 19. Psalm 31, verse 19. 
says, oh, how great is thy goodness. Now, we can all agree that God's goodness is great, right? We used to say churchy things, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. That is true. But that's not the full scope of what this psalm is the same. As we said before, the word great means abounding, abundant, and exceedingly. The word great means abounding, abundant, exceedingly. The word goodness is defined as prosperity, good things, property, supply, provision, good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme. So the Psalms are saying, oh, how great, abounding, abundant, exceedingly is your prosperity, your good things, your property, your supply, your provision, your good in the widest sense of the word, and good to the farthest extreme, which you have laid up or reserved for them that fear and reverence you, which you have wrought for them that trust in you before the sons of men. So notice it's not just laid up. God wants to manifest while people watch. Because one of the things Jesus said in the Gospels, God who sees you praying secretly will reward you in public. God is faithful. We said a couple weeks ago, one of his names in the Old Testament is Jehovah Gimelu, the one who pays back, the one who rewards. Serving the Lord will pay off. You don't have to have everyone see you when you do what God has told you to do. You don't have to everyone see you when you walk in love. You don't have to see everyone see you when you forgive ratchet people. You, everyone doesn't got to see you when you do what God has told you to do. But just know that God sees you. And he will reward you publicly. So you don't have to go around and say, look at all these good things I did. I did it because I love Jesus. You don't have to do that. God will do it for you. God is the one who pays back. The old Pentecostal saying he may not pay up every other Friday, but when he pays up, he pays up big. Oh, how great is his goodness. But the end of that verse says, for those that trust in him. That word trust, yes, it means to trust, but it means to make refuge in and to have hope in. To make refuge in and to have hope in. One of the other quotes I've been saying throughout this series is from Amy Simple McPherson. She said, all Jesus is looking for is for someone who can reach up in heaven by faith, feel around onto the treasure chest of God, get out a treasure and bring it down here and give it to someone that can't get it on their own. So we said this goodness in heaven is far just beyond finances. It's every good thing you can see promised to you in the scripture. Every good thing you can imagine that there's a promise rooted in scripture is in that storehouse with your name on it. You will never run into a situation where God hadn't already laid up a supply. You will never run into a circumstance that God and his pre-knowledge had already give provision. There's nothing you'll run into that'll surprise God and make him think, ooh, what am I going to do? Because they ran into something I didn't think about. It's already laid up in the storehouse. Say, it's already, already laid up, laid up for, me. for me. It's already there. But the thing is, if you never access it, it does you no good. And so one of the things we've been talking about in this series is when that storehouse is open and poured in, we overflow. And so we're talking about overflowing in every good thing. Last week, we talked about being encouragers. We talked about how important encouragement is to the Holy Ghost. And how in that storehouse is encouragement, and we need to reach up and bring encouragement to this earth and pass it out. Because what happens, we look to Luke 6.38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over, overflow. Shall men give unto you. So if you want to overflow, we said you have to focus and be faithful to being full. Because you can't overflow if you're not full. 
We also said in the previous weeks, you are known for what you overflow. You are known for what you overflow. It's time out for the body of Christ being one-hit wonders. One time I walked in love. One time I forgave somebody. You know, one time I gave above my tithe and offering. One time I prayed for someone outside of church. One time I wasn't petty on Facebook. One time I didn't cuss somebody out on Twitter. Just that one time. This is not little giants. We just beat them one time. So many Christians are one-hit wonders. And so instead of being known for what they do overflow, what they do consistently, what they do faithful, they can only have one time in the 80s, another one time in the 90s. One time, you know, I I remember one time. You got to be faithful to being full so that you can overflow and be known for what you overflow. Go to 1 Corinthians 2. Verse 9, let's look at the scripture we just sang about. So many times in the church, we try to, and in the world too, we try to hold on to success from a long time ago. And as Pastor Andre said when he was here a few weeks ago, one of your greatest hindrances to future success is past success. Some people try to hold on to their one hit and be known by their one hit for the rest of their lives. But I don't know about you, but if you had some business classes, they talk about when you release products, that after you've already released one, you should be working on your next one. So by the time that product you first released hits its pinnacle, you should already be pushing out your next one. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Now, that's a great statement, but verse 10 is even better. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. What's in that storehouse, eye hasn't seen. What's in that storehouse, ear hasn't heard. What's in that storehouse hasn't even entered into the heart of man. But the Holy Ghost reveals those things to us. The message version says it this way. That's why we have this scripture text. No one's ever seen or heard anything like this. Never such much, so much as imagine anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love him. But you've seen and heard it because God by his spirit has brought it all out into the open before you. God doesn't want everything in our house to be a mystery. He wants to reveal it to you by his spirit. And if you walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit will continually show you things. Because if the Holy Ghost shows you things that other people can't see, you can get things that other people can't get. And what's that to just hold us and look at all that I got? No, get it and give it away. Get it and be a blessing. Get it and encourage. Get it and strengthen. Get it and bless the body of Christ. Because you can't beat God giving. If God keeps giving it to you and you keep giving, it's going to keep coming back to you. So you get revelation, you sow revelation. You get encouragement, you sow encouragement. You receive mercy, you show mercy. Stop always looking for people to give you the hookup and be the person that hooks someone else up. Oh, I want someone to show me favor. Then you show favor. Oh, I need friends. Then you be friendly. Go to Romans 15 verse 13. You should be known for what you overflow. Not a one-hit wonder. 
Say, I'm going to be known by what I overflow. I am not going to be a one-hit wonder. Romans 15, 13. It says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Why? That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Amplified Classic Edition says, May the God of hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. The Holy Ghost wants you to overflow with hope. He wants to fill you with joy and peace to such a point that you overflow in hope. Say, God wants me to overflow with hope. Hope is defined as a desire of some good accompanied with a, at least a slight expectation of obtaining it or belief that it's obtainable. Hope differs from wish and desire in this that it implies some expectation of obtaining the good desired or the possibility of possessing it. Hope therefore always gives pleasure or joy whereas wish and desire may produce or be accompanied with pain and anxiety. Hope is defined as confidence in a future event. It's the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good. Hope, just like encouragement, is very important to God. Now, we're faith Christian center. We're faith people, right? We're raised. We are faith people. We've been talking. We're love people, but we also need to be hope people. Hope is important to God. Hope is a desire of some good. It's the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good. That's why I have you tell each other every Sunday and Wednesday, something good is going to happen to me. Tell you to expect America. Hope is expectation. If you have no hope, if you have no dreams, you're a walking dead man. You may be alive. You may have breath in your body, but you're dreamless. You're hopeless. And you're not walking in God's best for you. How important is hope for God? Let me give you these scriptures. Verse 4 of Romans 15. It says, What's, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. We know that. That we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. We say, yeah, God gave us the Bible because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's true. But God also gave you the Bible so that you can have hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, Now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. The word greatest also means largest. You have to understand faith, hope, and love are spiritual forces. They're important spiritual forces. They are strong spiritual forces. The greatest is love, but that still doesn't mean you don't need hope and faith. You need all three. Psalm 31 verse 24 says, Be of good courage, and he, the Lord, shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. When you hope in God, place your confidence and trust in him, and choose to be courageous, God strengthens your heart. So hope is connected to your heart being strong. Because if you don't have a strong spirit, you won't be able to access what God has put in your heart for you to do. Ephesians 2.12. 
It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto our lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Amplified Classic Version says, Praise, honor, blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Messiah. By his boundless mercy we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You are born again from having no hope to having hope. Hope is important to God, and he wants you to be overflowing with hope. So to get to where I'm wearing the shirt today, you guys already know I like sci-fi and Marvel and DC, and of course, I already saw Avengers, and I'm not going to preach on it today because spoilers. But when we see this symbol, we think of what? Superman. So in our mind, we think the S stands for super, right? That's just what we think. But when you read the comic and you watch the movie, this is is not an S, even though it looks like an S. It's his family crest from his home planet, Krypton. And when they ask him, well, what does that symbol stand for? He says, it stands for hope. And so when you look how they designed the character, when the people see him fly in the sky, they have hope. Although he's super strong, although he has all these powers, he's known for hope. You should be so overflowing with hope, it's as parent as an S on your chest. That when you show up, it's like you were flying through the sky. Hope came in people's heart. That you should be known when you walk in the building, here comes hope, here comes encouragement. My day has brightened because so-and-so showed up. I walked in the room and hope came with me. Your hope should be so overflowing that it's as apparent as the S on your chest. Yeah, you're super because you got the Holy Ghost, but you also have hope. Colossians 1.27. It's to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory, the abundance of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus moved in you to give you hope of glory and expectation of glory. To let you know that the glory you have today is not supposed to be the glory you end up with tomorrow. It's supposed to be on an ever-increasing scale. Because you hope for what you don't already have. You expect for something you don't already have. 1 Thessalonians 1.3. Paul says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, the sight of God and our Father. So what is he saying here? Patience of hope, endurance of hope. Hope has endurance. That means hope can take a hit and keep on going. Hope is not supposed to be a weak substance. That's just because something bad happens, you give up. Now, hope can be strong and keep you going even when things don't look good around you. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. It says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So the hope and expectation of all that salvation includes should guard your mind. Go to Psalm 42. Hope is very important to God. 
Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Verse 5. Notice what the psalmist says. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Anyone ever had a moment like that? Why are you disquieted in me? How does he respond? Sometimes you have to tell your soul what to do. You got to tell your mind what to do. You need to tell your emotions what to do. Sometimes you got to talk back to yourself. Tell people to think I'm crazy. They already think you're crazy. We talk to everything these days. Come on. We got Alexa. You can tell Alexa everything you want to do. So talk to your soul. What does he tell so? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him. Sometimes you have to give God a yet praise. You don't feel like praising. You're too tired to get up. You yet praise him. Oh, my body's not feeling the best now. You yet praise him. Uh, You don't know what has happened to me yesterday. I yet praise him. My praise is not based on how I feel. My praise is based on who I know he is because he is good and his mercy endures forever. Even though I don't feel anything right now, even though I feel hopeless, I'm going to hope in God and yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. Another translation, the help of his countenance means his presence is salvation. Because he's with me, I can expect salvation. Just because I don't feel anything doesn't mean God's not working on something. We can't be so feeling conscious we forget that God's not a feeling. He's a spirit. And just because you don't feel something doesn't mean God's not doing something. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean God's not already working it out for you. You have to have hope and you have to have faith. Then the psalmist goes again in verse 11. Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disquiet within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. You have to have hope. Go to Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace or shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness. And not of evil, not of trouble. To give you an expected end. That phrase expected end means an end that you would hope for. That's an end. Think about before I leave this planet, I can leave with the end that I could only dream about. Not about what's going to happen once I cross over and get to heaven. Before I leave this place, I'm living my dreams. Before I leave this place, I've ran into everything I've hoped for and expected in. An end that you would hope for. In context, God was telling the Jews in captivity that he had a good plan for them. He says, yeah, you're going away for 70 years, but at that end, I'm going to bring you back home. And if God promised them that, know that he has a good plan for you as well. Because that promise was under an old covenant. And we in the New Testament are under a new covenant with better promises. Meaning you have all the good things of the old plus some. So if God will promise disobedient people under the old covenant that although you're leaving, I still got a good plan for you, how much more would he promise good things of blood wash, Holy Ghost filled saints of the living God? 
Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Uh, hope that delays hurts your heart. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. A lot of times we focus, well, hope delayed. Yeah, but what about when it comes? Because not only, it's, a, it's not just life, it's a tree of life. If it's a tree of life, it's continually producing fruit. If it's continually producing fruit, I can take some of this life and pass it out. I can take this life and give it away. And more people experience the blessedness of my hope. Zechariah 9.12 says, Turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto you. Never let go hope. Be a prisoner of hope. All your days be kept in the stronghold of hope. Go to Romans 5. Romans 5. Verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory or rejoice and praise in tribulations or pressure also. Knowing that tribulation and pressure works or produces patience or endurance. So if you're in a situation where there's a lot of pressure right now, Instead of being depressed, instead of crying and whining about knowing, I'm getting endurance right now. I'm getting stronger right now. Because if you go to the gym without some, some pressure applied, you won't get any endurance. You can't just get super endurance like, I'm going to confess me some endurance. I'm going to confess me some muscles. I'm going to confess me a six-pack. Now, that would be great, but that's not how it works. There has to be some pressure, and there has to be some endurance. And patience or endurance, experience, and experience hope. Some people take their experience and let it make them bitter, and they pass off their bitterness as wisdom. So, you know, I've been through this, and this is what's going to turn out, so you crush other people's dreams because something didn't work out for you. That's not wisdom, that's bitterness. That what you go through should produce in you hope and expectation. And hope, expectation makes not a shame. Why? Because the love of God is poured out in our hearts by the Holy Ghost who's given unto us. Go to Romans 8. Let's look at verse 24. Romans 8, 24, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is not seen. Hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that what we see not, then we with patience and endurance or cheerful endurance wait for it. If I'm waiting for it, I'm looking for it. It's not just waiting going, well, we'll see what happens. No, I'm actively looking for it. If I'm in hope, I am actively expecting a miracle. I am actively looking for something good to happen to me. I'm looking around every single corner because it could happen on anything I'm looking at, or God could come up behind me and surprise me. I am actively looking for it. 
Tim Story would use it in this example. He talked about doing the bus stop. He said he was in a certain place in California in a neighborhood that you want to get out of really quickly when the sun goes down. He said, so he walked up to the bus stop, and he saw people doing something interesting. He said everybody was leaning, looking down the road. And so he walked up to them and said, is this bus so-and-so? They said, yes. Is this the last bus of the day? Yes. And because of the last bus of the day, they're all leaning in expectation of that bus to come and get them out of there. So when it comes to life, you got to do the bus stop. You have to be leaning, expecting good, expecting the great, expecting God's goodness. I'm leaning in because I know it's about to hit my life. You have to live in hope. We have to be people of hope. You have to imagine what you're looking for. You have to imagine what you're looking for. You have to imagine what you're hoping for. Imagination takes you beyond what you can see and into what you can dream and hope for. Imagination takes you beyond what you can see and into what you can dream and hope for. God gave you an imagination on purpose. Think about in Genesis, the people who built the Tower of Babel. They got together in unity on one accord. They said, God told us to spread out through the whole earth. We don't want to do that. So let's build a tower that's going to reach into heaven so we can tell God how we feel about this and take him on. That's the whole purpose of them building a tower. Now, sin is stupid. They had no understanding that if they keep building, eventually they're going to get to a place where they're going to run out of oxygen and fall back down. But God came down before they could ever reach that place and looked at it, and he said, if they're let alone... Whatever they imagine, they're going to do. Now, if the imagination of heathens could get God to come to earth, why can't the imagination of the church get God to come to earth and cause it to come to pass? God has given you an imagination. You need to use it and imagine for what you're hoping for. Imagine for what you're believing for. Ephesians 3.20, the message verse says, God can do anything you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. So what is your dream? What are you dreaming? What dream have you forgotten about? What dream have you given up on because you said you're a realist now? What dream have you given up for because, well, life has happened? Dreams are for young people. I'm too old to dream. What dream have you given up on? Because God wants you to dream again. One of the things I've been praying this week, and the Lord told me he would do, he said he'll start stirring up your dreams. He's going to do it over this next week to start stirring up things you've been dreaming about, dreams you've forgotten about. Bring it back to you. Uh, we're on Wednesday now. We're praying for Jesus to get involved in your dreams, to get involved in your kids' dreams, your grandkids' dreams, your great-grandkids' dreams, to invade your mind with his plans. Pastor Matt Cameron says it this way. Dreams are a revelation of God's will for our individual lives, built around our giftings and our abilities. Dreams are a revelation of God's will for our individual lives, built around our giftings and our abilities. See, God places dreams in your heart. 
Watch little kids when they're young. And they say what they want to do when they grow up. Now, some days, like, I want to be a superhero. Oh, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be all these different things. It's cool. But sometimes when you listen to them, they're going to tell you exactly who they're going to be. And they may forget about it for the next 10, 15, 20 years. But they get older, and they run into their parent or their grandparent, and they say, see, you're doing exactly what you told me you would do when you were two. Why, wow, God, I already put that dream in their heart. What are some dreams you forgot about when you were a toddler? How am I going to remember? The Holy Ghost will bring it back to you. Jesse Duplantis says this way, dreams have no expiration date. You need to start dreaming again. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 9. First Corinthians 9, verse 9. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. Does God take care for oxen? Or saith he altogether for our sakes, for our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he that plows should plow in hope. And he that thrushes in hope shall be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap of your carnal things? So in context, Paul is talking about ministers receiving offerings from the churches they preach at. But the concept is still the same. We are to work in hope. We are to plow and labor in hope and expectation. We are to work our dreams. So how big do you want to dream? How big do you want to dream? Because it's connected to how hard do you want to work. How big do you want to dream and how hard do you want to work? A lot of people don't want to work hard. That's why their dreams never come to pass. You have to be a hard worker. You work under the grace of God. You hustle under the anointing of God, but you still got to work. Yes, it's raining, but you must work your land. God expects you to work. Just because you got saved, God didn't deliver you from work. Jesus told me not to work. He's going to take care of all my needs. Stop lying on my Jesus. Because he says, if you don't work, you don't eat. I don't know about you, but I like eating. Anybody in here like eating? You need to work. You're delivered from working under a curse, which is called toil. But you're supposed to work under the blessing. So how big do you want to dream? How hard are you willing to work? Brother Jesse says, wherever there is a dream, there is a job. Wherever there is a dream, there is a job. Your dream sets your agenda. Work expands the dream and causes others to see it. Work expands your dream and causes others to see it. So some people may not be able to see the dream you have right now. That's okay. Just tell them, just, just keep watching me. Just keep watching. Because I'm going to work and then you're going to see it. Well, I don't understand your dream. That's okay. You don't understand. My faith doesn't require you to understand. Just keep watching me. Watch me. And watch it come and pass. So wherever there's a dream, there's a job. Your dream sets your agenda, and work expands the dream and causes others to see it. 
So what is your dream? You got to think about that. You're not supposed to be living without a dream. Brother Jesse also says something else. He says, your future has a voice. And hope always deals with the future, by the way. Your dream is about your future. If you're not talking about your vision, your vision is talking about you. If you're not talking about your vision, your vision is talking about you. You need to be talking about the dream God has put in your heart. Now, that doesn't mean you go tell everybody about your dream. Please learn from Joseph. <laughs> Don't cast your pearls before swine, as Jesus said. You have some inkling in your spirit that they're going to say oink. Don't tell them. <laughs> Swine's not meant to be told wisdom or dreams or eaten, but that's another message. I'll leave you all alone. <laughs> tell those who are your faith partners. Tell those who are your prayer partners. And if you have no one else to tell, tell yourself. When you're in prayer, talk about what you're believing for. Talk about what you're dreaming. Tell God about it. And then let God tell you about it. You have to dream. And you got to talk about it. Go to Ezekiel 37. Let's begin to wrap this up. Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. How big are you willing to dream and how hard are you willing to work? Work expands your dream. Your dream and your imagination is all rooted in hope. It is your hope. God wants you to hope. God wants you to dream. God wants you to use your imagination. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of dry bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. You know, that's a safe answer. <laughs> well, Jesus knows. <laughs> he knows everything. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath into you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. Say a noise and a shaking. shaking. Didn't we say before God's going to shake the gates? And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up on their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, and our hope is lost, and we are cut off from our parts. Therefore, therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, 
O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, which have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And I shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I shall place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Notice the dry bones, the dead bones, had no hope. This represented Israel before the return to their land in 1948, 70 years ago, which is celebrating right now for the next few weeks. This is prophecy that's already come true, that came true in this previous generation. But notice this principle. The breath of the Lord, the winds of his spirit, revives the dead and the dead dreams. The Holy Spirit brings hope to those who have lost their hope. Why? Because if your dreams are dead, your bones are dry, you might think it's too late for me to dream again. But as I said before, dreams have no expiration date. And when the Holy Ghost begins to move and breathe on your situation, breathe on your life, breathe on your dreams, they can come alive again. Go to Romans 4, verse 17. Romans 4, 17. That's what God's saying about Abraham. Go ahead and read for the sake of time. He says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickens or makes alive the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were. What did Abraham do? Who against hope believed in hope. But he might become the father of many nations. Or according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. What does strong faith do? Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. We are to rejoice in hope and expectation. We must connect our faith to our work, to our hope, to our imagination, and to our dreams. We must connect our faith to our work, our hope, our imagination, and our dreams. We are to praise God that the dreams he has put inside us are coming to pass. Part of being strong in faith is going to bed, waking up, praising God. Going to bed, waking up, praising God. Going to bed, waking up, praising God. He says, I haven't seen my dream come to pass. Go to bed, wake up, praise God. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Go to bed, wake up, praise God. Go to bed, wake up, praise God. Go to bed, wake up, praise God. Why? Because you know your dreams are coming to pass. Part of the expression of your faith is your praise. And it's not just your praise in the house of God. It's your praise in your own house. Go to Hebrews 11, verse 1. We'll close here. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Very familiar scripture to faith people. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith gives your hope and dreams substance. 
Faith gives your hope and dreams substance. Your faith will bring what you hope for into the now. Why? Because hope is concerning the future. Faith will bring it to today. So you must work in hope to expand your dream. You must spend time with God to get the pattern of how to accomplish your dreams that he has placed in your heart. He will give you a word, and rehearsing that word will build faith that brings your dream into the now, bit by bit. So God will talk to you about your dream, or give you a word about it, and you keep saying what God has said. You say it again and again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You stand on that scripture. You say what God has said in your heart again and again. Faith comes in your heart, and as you work your dream, your faith will bring your dream into the now bit by bit by bit. But it takes work, and it takes faith. So where your dreams are concerned, yes, you have to work. You have to use your faith. You need to spend time praying to the Holy Ghost about it because a lot of it is a mystery in how to do it because if your dream is something you can accomplish by yourself, you're dreaming too small. You need to dream about things that there's no way I can do it unless God stepped in and did it. So if you can accomplish your dreams by yourself, you need to go and dream again and expand your dream. Because all of our imaginations combined put together right now cannot even tap the reserves that God has. You can't even waste all the reserves. If we all imagine as big as we can imagine together, God will still have something in store. So go back and dream bigger. Go back and dream higher. You business people says, oh, it'll be great. Some of you business people are very logical people. You have your five-year plan. That's good. You should have your five-year plan. That is what's logical. That's what can happen normally. Keep it. Now go write your five-year dream plan. What would you do if it exploded? What if you did? You have your progress of growth for the next five years, but what happens if it multiplied by 10 or 100 or 1,000? Go back and dream about it. You have your plans. That's good. Keep them. Now go down and write your dreams. What would happen if money, what would you do if money was not an issue? What would you do if resources weren't a requirement? What would you do? How far would you go? What would you accomplish? Begin to dream and write it down and talk about it. Take your dream and talk to your current circumstance about it. You might be dreaming of this beautiful house, but you're in a one-bedroom apartment. Talk to your apartment about your house. He says, you don't understand, Pastor, I've never been to college, and that's been my dream. Start talking about your dream. You don't understand, no one in my family is gone. Doesn't matter. Talk about your dream. Because when your dream comes true, it's a tree of life. And it gives other people life and hope. You got to go and dream again. So work your dream. Grow in your faith concerning your dream. Spend time praying in the Holy Ghost about your dream. Get the pattern from God on how to accomplish your dream. Then sow towards your dream. Sow towards your dream. Part of your sowing towards your dream is learning about that area you're dreaming about. You say, oh, I believe I'm going to do these great things in this area. Well, go learn about it. That's part of sowing towards your future. But there's also the sowing where spiritual and financial things are concerned. Larry Stockstill said, 
a seed is a dream in capsule form. A seed is a dream in capsule form. Or Robert said, you can know you have it first because you've seeded for it. You can know you have it for first because you seeded for it. You know, a farmer knows he's going to have an apple tree because he planted apple seeds. You don't have to stress the farmer about it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have an apple tree. It's going to take some time, but I'm going to have an apple tree while I sow towards it. So you want to sow towards your dream. Whatever God tells you to sow, that's what you do. Someone does not pressure you to sow into your dream. If you want your dream, sow towards it. You know, God will put dreams in your heart long before they come to pass. Sow towards it. So you can walk into the harvest when it's time to get there. You never want to get to a place that you haven't already prayed out and you haven't already sowed for. Because if you get there and you never sowed for it, how are you going to get a harvest? If you get there and you haven't prayed through, you're not going to know what to do. So never get to a place you haven't prayed through and never get to a place you haven't sown for. Because you want to walk in the fruit of your prayers and the harvest of your seed sown. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.